So I just got out of therapy. Intro. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Graham Cullis Karma Card Project podcast episode 13. Triskaidekaphobia, the fear of the number 13. Triskaidekaphobia was a word first recorded in 1911. The superstitious sufferers of Triskaidekaphobia try to avoid bad luck by keeping away from anything numbered or labelled 13. Well, any of you guys that are suffering from Triskaidekaphobia, I um, will just like to tell you that nothing bad happens in this episode. Well, actually, I'm still recording it, so who knows? <laughs> Let's see. But... This is a safe space, don't you worry. <laughs> I spoke too soon, guys. <laughs> so the next recording after I did that little mini intro, I recorded for about maybe 10, 15 minutes straight talking, talking about my week and my day and what's been going on and what's been happening, giving you a little update. And then the software crashed and I lost everything. Spooky. <laughs> but do you know what? Everything happens for a reason. Because I had to shut down my computer and then I went downstairs to get myself a drink. And the drink reminded me that my sister told me that I needed to water the plants in the garden, in the front garden, in the back garden. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much, the number 13. You, uh, you saved my bacon and you saved all of my sister's plants from dying. <laughs> awesome. And don't worry, everybody, I'm now not going to develop triskaidephobia. I love the number 13. Guys, it happened again. I spoke for another 10, 15 minutes, and the software crashed. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm obviously going to have to keep my recordings short and concise. And it seems like the 13th episode is really kicking my ass. But don't worry, guys. I won't let this stop me. <laughs> it's just something that's going to test my patience. And uh, if you remember from last week, we talked about patience and uh, it's something that I'm working on and it's okay. I can do that. I can do this recording in short little spurts of uh, however long. <laughs> so it seems the problem is getting worse and worse. The short little spurts are getting shorter and shorter. So I'm going to have to wrap up the intro fairly quickly, I think, and just crack on with the interview and put that together so if anyone is new here and i imagine i have a few new listeners today because of the incredible person that i'm interviewing on the podcast today who is of course emma disney who is the author of the incredible self-help books stillborn and tina pause and practicing psychotherapist so i had an amazing conversation with her yesterday and uh, i can't wait for you guys to hear it and welcome everybody who is new today uh, that are fans of emma disney um thank you very much for coming in and uh, listening to the podcast i hope you remain after this and stay listening to future episodes and check out the ones i've done previously as well so i do apologize uh, for what is happening <laughs> but do you know what a lesson we can learn from this is sometimes things are out of our control and the thing that we can control is how we react to these situations so for example you planned a really nice day on the beach with your friends and family and uh, the weather decided to take a turn for the worse that's out of our control but what we can control is how we react and how we deal with that situation 
But remember, it's okay to feel disappointed. Okay, there's nothing wrong with having feelings around the situation. But if you're to kick off a stink and then it eventually causes an argument with your friends and family, then that is not really going to be the best way out of this. So yeah, like just think outside the box. Maybe you could uh, maybe you could turn the day into something that involves the wet weather or bad weather or, or whatever weather is thrown at you. And just reframe the idea of what that whole intent was surrounding that day out with your friends and family. It's about connecting and being with your friends and family. So at the end of the day, if you still got the time off, that's the bonus. You can do something else and uh, enjoy the day spending time with each other and just think of it that way and be blessed. So I am going to try and be as cool as a cucumber and uh, try and suppress that deep rage for me not throwing my Apple Mac laptop across the room. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm going to keep calm and carry on. And this means I'm going to get to connect with a wonderful human being that works for Apple that's going to really help me out. And uh, often uh, this person is from Ireland as well. It seems that Apple has quite a lot of Irish employees or maybe that's just the luck of the draw for me recently. <laughs> and I like talking to people from Ireland. So a little quick roundup of my week and what's been going on. Um, I'm going to keep this very short and concise for you guys because I really want to get you to the interview. Um, but yeah, spent the week at my parents' house. Me and mummy Melita Cullis got the Karma cards out to 24 countries, 25 countries now actually, New Zealand has added to the list as well, so thank you very much Jasmine for doing that, you legend. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that, they're all out and the, the Royal Mail have been doing a very good job because I'm already getting some amazing feedback from the cards being received. Uh, if you guys are new again, I will explain what the Karma cards are a little bit later on in the podcast, but it's basically essentially how this podcast runs. And so, uh, what else? been happening yeah I've been getting swimming every day um, that's something that's been really important to me and due to being at my parents house I don't have my paintbrushes and canvases and my studio is not there so I have been concentrating on practicing my sketches and I have been doing lots of charcoals and I've been really pleased with my progress actually I've been I talked about this a little while ago but I've been trying to do sketches every day uh, to improve my game on portraiture and figurative uh, art and that's something that I want to bring into my my new works um, I've already uh, completed one uh, one portrait which I'm really happy with. I call her Bubblegum Girl. You may have seen on my socials. If you uh, want to check out my artwork, go to my Instagram, which is forward slash Graham Cullis or Graham Cullis Art on Facebook. Yeah, I'm really excited because I want to be, I want to put on an exhibition soon, and I want it to be mainly consisted of of portraiture and figurative paintings. So we'll see how that goes. So without further ado, not adieu. I just learnt this actually, I had a little look, I had to make sure I was going to get this right because I've never used this phrase publicly before on a podcast, so I had to check it if it was alright because I've heard people say adieu and I've heard people say adieu, actually only one is correct because adieu, A-D-I-E-U, hang on let me just double check that, yeah A-D-I-E-U <laughs> actually is the French for goodbye, so it will just confuse your audience if you say without further goodbyes. So, without further ado, I am going to now introduce today's guest. Emma Disney is a woman who is passionate about making a difference through sharing and being authentic. Emma believes that if we all share more of how we are, who we are, then we can learn to feel safer in being true to ourselves. Emma is a mother to three children, Josh, Tom and Tilda, who are and continue to be three of her greatest teachers. Emma has previously written self-published Tina Paws, consciously parenting your team while reparenting yourself. And Emma has just released her new book, Stillborn, How I Grew Through Grief, 
The 17 Lessons Lost Taught Me. This book is about Emma's first child, Josh, and how she lost him at 35 weeks pregnant, and how Josh became one of her greatest teachers and made her the woman she is today. And I just need to give you guys a little heads up. We will be talking about some situations which might be triggering for some people. Uh, we're talking about grief and loss. And uh, if you feel like you're not ready to listen to this, then no problem at all. We'll see you next week. But I can assure you that everything that Emma says in this podcast is absolutely beautiful and extremely helpful. We also briefly discussed the political situation in America with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. So if there's something that you're trying to avoid at the moment as well, then yeah, please come back next week. I, I'm a I'm a firm believer of just like uh, you you roll the mic and you always get the best shit at the beginning anyway of an Perfect. interview because like it's just going. So. It's fine with me. I, I, it's funny because now I've turned the mic on. I wanted to be like just you know not giving a shit about the mic, but I'm actually like already in podcast mode and, and my voice and intonations all changed. And you sound perfectly podcast. That's it. Uh, well. Um, yeah, it was touching. It was touching go. Actually, I wasn't actually going to tell you about this, but as I've met you and I, I've already got a feeling for you've got a good sense of humour. Anyway, I nearly didn't make it here on time. <laughs> tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I I uh, I arrived ten minutes early to go through my notes because yeah. I like to do. I'm very punctual, and uh, I was sat outside of my car, and I was like, "Oh no, nature's calling," and I was like. I can't go into an interview of my first... Yeah, like I feel like this is my proper first interview. <laughs> and I can't do that uh, to you. <laughs> so I was like, right, I've got 10 minutes. I turned my car around, span around, went to the BP garage. And uh, then, yeah. I Answered uh, nature's call and well, arrived well, promptly. Well, the thing is, I tried to. And then I went into the toilet. And it was like some, like a rain cloud had, had, had erupted all over or poured all over the toilet seat. So then I had to go to the, to the person at the desk and say, hi there. <laughs> I was wondering if you had any spray and wipe. <laughs> so you had a journey before you even arrived at my doorstep. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I, but you know, it's, uh, that's, that's how I arrived here today. <laughs> Thank you for being so punctual because you were here on time. I was. I got there just in time, so that was perfect. Well, anyway, right, enough of that. So I would have done a uh, an intro before this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, I'll probably record an intro before. Yeah. Thank so, you very much. And also, I like to have nice, nice sort of ukulele music in the background. Have you heard of my other podcast? So I haven't put it on yet, but what do you reckon? I feel like it's a good vibe to have the ukulele music on. I think music would be beautiful. Yeah, should we really supportive? Should we cue it on now? Let's do it. All right, roll the ukulele music. And just like that, the beautiful, <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful sound. <laughs> there we go. All right. So firstly, um, if you'd like to introduce yourself, Emma, that would be wonderful. Okay. My name is Emma Disney. I am a mother to three children, uh, one who was stillborn, which is linked into my book, Stillborn. I'm a psychotherapist that works with predominantly teenagers, but also some of the most incredible adults. I have been invited today to talk to you, which is really exciting as it's my second podcast. Um, and Someone I, got there first? Last year. Oh, there Year before, go. years ago. <laughs> um, and it feels really exciting because you contacted me with regards to my book, Stillborn, which is so close to my heart and I'm very passionate about. So I'm honoured 
to be taking part. Thank you so much, Graham. No worries. And like, uh, yes, the the the, well, the book really struck a chord in me as well uh, because um, I have a close family. My sister has uh, been through three miscarriages, and yeah, it really opened my eyes actually on how I can be there for her, and 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 also made me realise what she was going through. And like, damn, I wish I'd known that already, but now I do. And uh, I think anyone that wants to read this book and or anyone wants to understand uh, how to help and be there for anyone else or if you're going for it yourself, this book is a must for sure. Thank you yeah. so much. How, but how, um, how did we meet? We met when I saw you doing something on Facebook a couple of years ago <laughs> and I was really impressed. And then you mentioned Karma Cards and I believe I contacted you and said, I'd like to be one of the sponsors. And you came back and blew my head away and my whole family's to be fair, because it was my birthday and you got your ukulele and you sang me a song that I think about 300 of my friends and family must have heard. Cause I kept saying, oh my God, listen to what this guy did. This is amazing. <laughs> so it was your energy is how we first met. And then ever since then, um, your karma cards, which I think are incredible. I am so in awe of everything you do for mental health. And I followed your journey and you read the book and you invited me to come and do this. That was the journey to today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Emma Disney. Happy birthday to you, you, you. Happy birthday, Emma Disney. I hope you smashed the flip out of your goal on your uh, Young Suicide Prevention Charity, Bedtime Stories, that's incredible. Thank you very much for becoming my patron. I am in debt to you and I hope your day is full of love, hugs, happiness and cake. Amazing. Do you know what, like uh, the birthday message thing, I, uh, I've probably done nearly 6,000 now. That is like, incredible. 6,000 people <laughs> yeah. that's lives have been enhanced. Honestly, yeah. I can't tell you how much joy it brings. All right, just say, okay, guys, I haven't really talked about this on the podcast yet. And you do know what I do in the interlude where I uh, sing happy birthday to a celebrity whose birthday is on the Wednesday of the, so today, this Wednesday for you guys, it's Monday for us. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've been singing happy birthday to uh, every single person on my Facebook friendship for the last two years. I thought it'd be a nice way to show up and connect with some people that I haven't spoken to for a long time and just put a bit of positive vibes out there. Out there. And it's actually been very interesting. So I've done it, I did it for a year and I was gonna stop, but I just couldn't. I'm I couldn't surprised. stop. I was like, I love it. It's like, it's like my part of my day. I get, I, I, uh, I really look forward to singing the happy birthdays. Actually, that's strictly not true because sometimes I'm hungover and I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I've got 15 birthdays to sing. <laughs> Is that how many you Somet can do some days? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's 15 people with a birthday. <laughs> well, as someone that's received a birthday song from you, I have to say it brings so much joy and not just to me, but to every single person I played it to. It was like... Oh my God, how special is that? So thank you. No worries. Oh, there we go. That's how we met. Perfect. Well, what bit of content was it? Just out of interest. I always, always like to know this. What so. bit of content did I see of yours? Yeah. I think you were first introducing your Karma card. Oh, okay. Correct? So was that a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's right. That was when I literally um, 
was in at the beginning of lockdown, lockdown. just came back from Bali and I was trying to figure out how I can make things sustainable so yeah this is the Karma Card Project podcast guys so if any of you have just tuned in because I might have a few new listeners today because of the amazing Emma sat next to me um, the Karma Card Project is what keeps this sustainable um, but I'm not going to bore you now because I will talk about that in the interlude later on when I add it in all right okay so blah, 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 blah. so you yeah you've done you've done two books so yes I have uh, you have, let's say, first off, you have Tinopause. And uh, yeah, just explain to the listeners what Tinopause is all about. Tinopause is a book that is written for parents and anyone that looks after teenagers. And it's about taking a pause with your teenager. I have worked with thousands of teenagers over the last 20 years. And I feel really honoured that they share with me their journey. how their head is, what's going through their head, how difficult life is. And what I wanted to do was share some of their insights as well as some of the neuroscience behind the teenage brain. Because when we learn about the neuroscience behind the teenage brain, it makes us as adults and parents not patronise them by saying they're just being teenagers. Actually, the teenage brain is a really, really intense place to be. So the book came because I wanted to share more about how we can support the next generation of people, our kids, and the best way to show up for them that supports them feeling good about themselves. And that was two years ago now. Sounds that's an amazing project, and obviously, like, yeah, that's your your life's work as well, and yeah, it's incredible. And I I think I'm going to be uh, getting that book as well because I I actually. Uh, I don't know if you know about Youth Art Connect, but um, yes. that's something that I helped set up um, last last year or this year, last last year, and um, yeah, it's, I've met a lot of amazing young minds there and um, a lot of lost young minds as well. So it'd be, I think that'd be another nice read for me to, to take into the future for other projects I do. So, oh, brilliant. Okay, well, okay, well, today we're talking about stillborn. Okay, so um, yeah, if you just tell the listeners what stillborn is, just a like a, a brief, if, okay. well, as, as well as much as long as you want. Take, Thank take you time. very much. Stillborn, uh, How I Grew Through Grief and the 17 Lessons I Learned, is a book that started 22 and a bit years ago when 35 weeks into my pregnancy I discovered that my baby, Joshua, had died in the womb and I had to give birth to him. And I have to say it was one of the most traumatic uh, situations I'd ever been through. But as I was going through it, I decided that it couldn't just be loss and pain and heartache. And I uh, changed my career from being very materialistic, quite self-obsessed and very up myself and decided that after that heartbreak, it had to be different. It had to make a difference. And so for the last 22 years since his birth, I have retrained and become a psychotherapist and this book is my journey from the pregnancy and finding out he wasn't alive through to today and how I was fortunate enough to be able to take that loss and allow it to transform me. So his birth, his stillborn, was actually part of transformation for me. It allowed me to grow through from becoming quite self-centered and perhaps materialistic into being a lot more aware, a lot more emotionally intelligent. And I'd like to think making a difference when I show up to the people that I care about, the people that I work with and anyone that I interact with. So Stillborn is a book that tells mine and my son's story 
of how you can grow through anything that you go through, no matter how painful it might be. Yeah, amazing. And yeah, I read this book cover to cover, and yeah, like it's it's a, it's a book that I I believe that if you are going through anything to do with uh, maternity and you know or uh, or any kind of grief that this could help because it relates to so many different subjects and like yeah I was just there's so many different subjects or so many different parts of my life that I was thinking back to when I was reading it and it just touched on a lot of them and uh, yeah like I said it's it's really opened my eyes to what people have gone through as well and how I can be there for people and actually in the last this last week I've had I've been reaching out to people on my Instagram just like just like a little question how are you and how are you feeling and um, I've got a couple of little polls and people have been honest and told me that they're you know they're not feeling good and actually a couple of the things that were I've, I've been able to like I've been able to put into practice already like the there's a there's a part where I really liked in your book actually there's actually two parts um, it was the, the the two bits of advice or not advice like one was when the student midwife spoke oh to you oh my god oh. I was in the beginning of labour and it had been induced and I was petrified because I knew what was to come and I was scared of what was to come. Not the pain, the actual giving birth to my baby who was dead and a student midwife walked in and I'm probably going to get choked up telling you now because it is one thing that really... And she looked at me and I could see her fear and I could see her sadness and she said, I'm really sorry, I don't know what to say to you. And in saying that... It was the truth. She didn't pretend, she didn't try and make it better for me, she didn't try and do anything other than show up authentically. And that's what I've tried to take from losing my son, is if we're gonna show up and we're gonna support people and we're gonna be real, we're gonna make a difference because so much of life isn't authentic. And those words, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say, is something that I use in so many parts of my life. And it gives the person, I believe, an honest understanding that where that person is, is tough. And there are mm. no words that will make it yeah. any better. And, and I, I think that's brilliant. And that's actually like, before I read the book, I remember, because I'm actually going through a little bit of a, a patch myself and my listeners that have been listening to my journey over the last couple of months of doing this podcast will know that I've been open and honest about how I'm feeling. And uh, yeah, like my sister's been pretty much my counsellor <laughs> since I've been back. Cause I've been living with her and that's something that she says. She would just sit there and say, Graham, I don't know what to say. Um, and I, there's nothing I can say, and you know, like, uh, and I, and I, and I really, that, yeah, that was it. That was that's all she needed to say. You know, there's nothing she can say, but she can just be there. You know, she just tell me to sit with it and feel it. And yeah, and like we've we've discussed this a bit actually, and also um, that brings me on to the the part as well, where obviously like when how you can be there for someone, like that is one thing you can say, but there's a few. There's sometimes. Like I was talking to this about my, this, this is what I was talking to my sister. Learning, learning the art of shutting the fuck up. <laughs> and for me, that is something that that period of my life taught me. That actually I may have an opinion and I may not agree with what a person I love or care about is doing. But actually I don't have a right to share my opinion unless someone says to me, what do you think? Yeah. I'm getting better at this. I don't go, what I think you should do is, or this is what happened to me. Yeah. Because the minute we do that, and I think I put in my book, there were numerous things that people said that at the time, how I didn't commit some crime, I don't know. Yeah. 
I went to a meeting. Oh, There's oh, one I think you're going to mention. I yeah, went to a meeting. Yeah, I think it was the one I was going to bring up. I know you're going to bring it up. I went to a meeting with some guys that I worked with, and there was five of us, and there were four guys, and they were very young because it was an internet company. This is 22 years ago. And as I walked to the meeting and I sat down, and my body is still that of a pregnant woman because it's only a week after giving birth, so I was naive to think I could do it. And as I went to go into the, the meeting room, he said, um, can I have a quick chat? And I was like, yeah, sure. Really vulnerable. And I knew I was fragile, but acting really well. He said, um, I kind of know how you feel. So this is a 24-year-old boy, man, talking to me. And I was kind of like a bit confused. You know how I feel? He went, yeah, I do. So I stopped unbelievable, couldn't believe what he was gonna say or what was coming next. And he went, we lost a puppy when I was really young and it really upset me. Oof. And in that moment, <clears throat> I said, yeah. you lost a puppy. I said, I understand that's probably really sad for you. It doesn't compare. Yeah. So I sat and had the meeting and during the meeting, the rage mm. was getting stronger and stronger. And towards the end of the meeting, and I was someone that ran the company, I wrote out my resignation and walked out of the meeting and never went back. And I'm very lucky that when I came home, my husband was like, you have to do what you had to do. And at yeah. that point, I knew that I could no longer pretend. Yeah. And in that one sentence, I know he didn't mean ill by it, yeah. but for me, the student midwife, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. At every single turning in my life, in any single situation, that says so much more than I know how you feel. Guess what happened to me? I've been there. Because the minute we say that or someone says it to us, it closes us down. Yeah. And yeah. your sister sounds like the most incredibly wise woman. Oh, she's she's very wise, my she sister. She sounds it. Yeah, she's very wise. And yeah, like, um, and actually I, I spoke to her about this very situation, about the comment with the puppy, and she was like, yeah, she, you know, she's had people say things like to her that are very sort of, like, ignorant but like obviously they don't mean it and also, and also all types of grief is grief at the end of the day and that guy did probably go through some grief with his puppy but like he had he should not have said that to you at that moment and people need to know what to say like you said you need to invite people in and yeah so yeah that's that's one thing I think that a lot of people should take from this book as well is like Learning the art of shutting the fuck up. <laughs> and also, you said yeah. about your sister, she's had people say things to her. I think when someone shares, whether it's a miscarriage or it's a stillborn, or it's a grief, or it's a termination, a medical termination, whatever it might be, even the loss of a parent or a friend, it's not our place to step in and say, I know how you feel. Because no one knows how another person feels, because we all feel completely differently, because we've all walked different paths. Yeah. Actually, let's get a bit of a drink. Let's have a little sip. Let's have a little what, sip. What have we got Cheers. here? Oh, what have we got here for drinking? Oh, we have got a very fizzy CBD induced drink, oh. which is about relaxation and calm, which is the most important thing you can have for your mental health. Here we go. Oh, there's no ice left to clink. I was hoping it's going to clink next to the microphone. Yeah, it's very delicious. And um, I did have a Red Bull before I started this interview and now I've got the CBD, so hopefully I should be on a level plane. So I'm helping you find balance. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's go on to, obviously, the, obviously we talked about what we shouldn't say to people going yeah. through grief, but like, uh, your friend Jay. Uh, let's let's talk about what he said when he oh when he came. God. So he was Jay is a friend of a friend, and he had lost I think one maybe two people very close to him, 
And after I'd lost Josh, I decided that I was gonna hibernate for a bit because people were too difficult to be around. And he came to the doorstep and I have to say, it was one of the most powerful conversations I had had to that point. And probably for a few months after, he said, never ask why, learn to be with it and just put one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. And he almost gave me permission to let go of having to know why and to overthink and to question and just to accept it has happened. Nothing I think can change it. Nothing I do can change it. But what I can do is put one foot in front of the other and take each day as it comes. And for me, the wisdom in that got me out of my head and into a battered and bruised body, but it got me out of a very wounded and hurt head. Yeah. Very powerful. And and today as well, like I said, I've been able to implement some of these these things. Like uh, I've 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 used both of those. What what the what the nurse said, and I've I've also mixed them in as well as as I one as that. well. And it's uh yeah, it's it's really nice uh, to be able to have the right words to say to someone, you know. Like and it's uh, it's I think that's really really important um, how to be there for people. Um, I remember a book that I, I read or listened to, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. Um, and this, is, this was all about listening to someone. Um, and there's a, I'll, I'll do the story really quickly because it's, but basically Chris Voss is a, an FBI negotiator. Yeah, and he, he, uh, he wanted to become an FBI negotiator. He's working for the FBI, but he had to do the course. And his boss basically said, no, nope, you haven't got, you haven't got any, any degree in psychiatry or, or, or psych- you haven't got a degree in psychology. You haven't got this, got that. Um, what makes you think you can do the position? And he goes, I just really want to do it. And backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And finally, she said to him, okay, do three months with the Samaritans or three months with, with a suicide helpline. I'm not sure if it was the Samaritans, but... Um, and yeah, something similar, and uh, and then come back and we'll talk. And he's like, and then I think she sort of would say that just to throw him off, or like that's, that's her line to get people out of her office. And he actually did it. He went away and uh, went along and uh, went and did did the three months. Yeah, he said he had an appraisal like halfway through from his one of his supervisors. They listened into one of his calls. This person, he had this. He was a regular that he would speak to Chris. So they're having this conversation, and then. You know, he was helping him out and, you know, giving him all the advice. And then as they ended the conversation, the guy, the guy that had called up for help was like, Chris, man, honestly, you're so awesome. Like, you're doing such a good job. Like, your bosses should really, you know, like, be patting you on the back. Like, you've helped me no end. Like, you're, you're an amazing guy. And, and then that was the end of the call. Put the phone down and he walked out of that office with some swag in his step. <laughs> he went into the, into the supervisor's office and was sat down, you know, crossed his legs. and was like, <laughs> okay, hit me with the appraisal. And the guy was like, that was the worst call I've heard since working here. And his jaw dropped. He was like, what? What do you mean? He goes, right, okay. How did that conversation end? That guy went away thinking you're the bee's knees. You're, you're, you, you th- that guy went, went away thinking you done all the work. Like you didn't empower that guy. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't for one moment tell him how awesome he's doing and how much of a good job he's doing. And he should have left that phone call feeling top of the world, not that you are awesome. And then I think that was one of his key moments for his negotiation wow. career, you know? Like the power of listening and then also, to empowering. empowering people before they leave a conversation. Yes. And you've, you've, you've done um, Samaritan work. Samaritan I did work, yeah. when, uh, not long after, I trained four or five weeks after losing Josh. I wanted to do something that 
felt like I was giving back. I felt like at 29 I'd taken quite a lot and I hadn't given back. So I was lucky enough to train in a local branch. Uh, it was the most eye-opening training ever because you're trained to sit with every different type of caller and they also find out what your trigger is and they get you to work through that. My trigger, if it's okay to say, was to listen to a paedophile that would ring up to get support so they didn't go out and act on their feelings. But the thought of having to sit with that was so difficult. So they trained me well and within about three months I was taking calls and I worked there for, I volunteered there for seven or eight years and then becoming a therapist and having two young kids at that point, I put it on hold. It's something I want to go back to because mm. it is such a powerful thing to do, to listen to another human being, not give yeah. you advice, listening and empowering and supporting them at a point when a lot of the callers or the people that come in don't want to live. Mm -hmm. They've got no reason to want to be here, but they've actually taken the courage to make a call or come face to face or send an email. And we're that pivotal point of either making a difference to them living or, and this was hard, making a difference to them dying. And either of those was not our choice. It was our, our way of supporting. We didn't get to get someone to stay alive. If they didn't want to be alive, then we respected that too. Wow. Uh, that, that, that's, that blows my mind as well. Like, uh, I, 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 think it, I think it takes a special kind of person to be to be doing these kind of oh, I these. think there's some incredible people yeah. anyone that works for Samaritans anyone that works yeah. for most charities but for me the Samaritans when someone's life is hanging on a thread yeah. and they ring you up and they want to get a soothing voice that allows them to feel safe in either living or safe in dying is just incredible yeah. Well, you are an incredible person, mm, Emma Disney. I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> Amazing. I have a question from a listener. So guys, just so you know, I, 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 put out the, I put out a request to get questions on my social media. And I only got one person. Okay, so <laughs> next time I do that, just give me some questions. Make my life a bit easier. All right, okay, so please can you just tell Emma to shout out to her love page? Hello Paige, how are you doing my love? I'm so glad you sent a question. <laughs> <laughs> and her question is, please ask her what her inspirations are and what keeps her going. Ah, what are my inspirations? I'm gonna sound really corny, but it's really important to me. The gift of life. I have lost people that I love, whether it's Josh at Stillborn or other friends who haven't made it through, or a couple of people who I've known who've taken their lives. So for me, life is a gift. And I believe because I do the job I do, the inspiration is I am so fortunate that every day I get to sit with people and have real conversations and hear the authenticity of people and what they're going through. And that inspires me because I love people and I love learning and I love being open, but I'm not very good at small talk and I'm not very good at huge crowds of people. So for me, my job is perfect. It's not a job, it's a vocation. That inspires me. And what keeps me going? The love of life. That I'm 51 years old. I have got what? three kids. Yeah. No way. Yeah. He's just being too kind. You can't see me. Listeners. No. Um, I've got three kids. I have, uh, and I'm healthy. I work hard on my mental and emotional health. And I feel very lucky that I've been able to transform some 
difficult situations in my life and make them work for and with me. So that's what inspires and motivates me. Paige, thank you for your question. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you very, thank you very much, Paige. <laughs> oh. um, okay, so that was the one and only question that I got. I'm, I'm got, Love afraid. It's your birthday, we're gonna party like it's your birthday We're gonna sip a party like it's your birthday And we won't give a fuck cause it's not your birthday <laughs> Well, I'm pretty certain you were not expecting that this week And I think you have possibly guessed whose birthday it is today as well If you're a new listener, I am very sorry about that abomination I just produced with... Uh, beatboxing vox and ukulele to 50 cents in the club and it is 50 cents birthday today and if you are a new listener i do a birthday every week i sing happy birthday every week to a celebrity and today it is 50 cents birthday happy birthday to you Happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Fiddy Sands, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday Fiddy Sands, I hope you're well, I hope your day is full of love, hugs, happiness and Hi guys, this podcast is my full-time job and I absolutely love doing it. Yeah, amongst other things that I do as well, uh, I need to have time and space to create everything that I do, uh, whether it's the podcast, YouTube, or any of the projects that I get involved with in the mental health world. So I've come up with a really clever system to keep it sustainable, which also gives you my art every six months so you don't go empty-handed for sponsoring me to do what I do I also give you something back in return every six months physically and that is the Karma Card Project so if you aren't aware of the Karma Card Project you're new today listening through uh, Emma Disney's fan base uh, then this is something that Emma actually um, invested in to help me do what I do uh, back two years ago and uh, yeah so the Karma Card Project is basically six of my paintings which I turn into gift cards and they're blank inside you can either keep them all or keep some and then send the rest on as random acts of kindness to people that might be struggling with their mental health or to reconnect with a friend or family and you will receive these in the post every six months six different designs every six months it's a nice way of you also being able to participate and spread some love and positivity around the world while it also helping me do what i do and paying me a wage to be able to keep doing this and i would like this to grow so the more people that join it the more i can invest into marketing to get the message further thus helping more people with my message so please 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 consider paying me to do what i do and i'm not asking for much at all if you can afford £1.25 a week, that is all I'm asking for. The price of a pint or a coffee once a month. And if you can't afford it, don't worry at all. For the people that can afford it, they're paying for you to listen to have this experience. So if you'd like to join the Karma Card Project today, please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Cullis Art. Thank you so much. Also, I'll put the link into the show notes as well. 
And guys, other ways you can help with this podcast is share it on your social media and share it with friends and family. Because I really want this podcast to grow now and to reach all the people that it needs to. And I believe that this episode especially is going to be really powerful for some people. So if you know anyone going through any grief and they want to hear from the lovely Emma and her message today, then please, 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 please send this episode to them. And yeah, leave a rating and a review as well. That's really, really helpful. All right. When we lose someone we love, no matter the circumstances, we lose a part of ourselves, the love, the connection. We lose who we became when we were with them, the memories, the fantasies, how they allowed us to feel. Grief strips us of them and of ourselves. Grief breaks our heart and changes our thoughts. Grief makes everything in our world look and feel completely different. We lose the old, the normal, the yesterdays. The tomorrows feel too far away and the today is empty. From Emma Disney's amazing book, Stillborn. And yeah, so tell me about that passage. Uh, For me, I think we all grieve, whether it is a situation, whether it's a person, whether it's we've all lost something, whether it's a part of ourselves, whether it's a grandparent, a parent. It's not just a baby. Everybody has been through something in their life that has made them sad. And I think for me, what I realised going through grief was that when you go through that place that's so dark, it allows you to also recognise when the light does come in. So the grief and the darkness and the pain also has allowed me to celebrate the great days and the good and the light. So that excerpt is about a place that every human being will have been to for one reason and another. Beautiful. Well, it's uh, like I said, guys, this is an amazing book, so you should 100% uh, get it. It's uh, very manageable as well. It's not a too long read. Nice big letters as well, because I don't read. And I found it, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. It's not too long and it's got big letters. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to make it easy. I wanted to be, yeah. it's a difficult subject, so it had yeah. to be able, readable. And it had to be small enough that actually you could throw it in a handbag and pick up a page and or just carry it. It doesn't. Mm. I didn't want a heavy book. It's a heavy subject. I didn't want it to be a heavy book. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. It makes it more accessible, yeah. especially for for people like myself as well. Like I, I, I knew that I wanted to read the whole thing before I spoke to you, and I was like, oh, I wonder how long is it? Gonna, <laughs> it's going to be. Um, but and it I, was possible. Yeah, and I did it. I I did it in one sitting, and yeah, I was. Uh, and I, I, the thing is, pretty much because it's a page turner, you know. It's, Thank uh, you. It's it was really and yeah I was. It's not an easy read, though, is it? It's not it? an easy read. No, I mean, it's yeah. I, I was I was uh, tearing up in a, a few a few. There was a few moments of emotion there for me. Um, yeah, amazing. Well, I just wanted to touch on this just because I know it is prevalent in the news right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I just wanted to quickly just talk about the Roe versus Wade situation, the overturn in America, um, and obviously, like. Yeah, that's that's to do with choice, the female choices. I know, like obviously, like we need to be. It's a it's a political situation, so there's always two sides. But yeah. and I don't want you to get political. But I mean, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this, and how is it going to affect um, people and their grief? I think it's deeply disturbing that women aren't allowed to have a choice with regard to their body. 
no matter what the situation. And there are so many situations when actually choosing to not continue with a baby, choosing to have a termination is incredibly important, both for the mother and the baby. And not to have that choice means we're gonna have generations of women struggling to come to terms and generations of children born in situations where they're not safe or not wanted or the person isn't ready to have them. So for me, it is so, so shocking and traumatic that decisions can be made that are not relevant to today's life. It's heartbreaking and very, very sad. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, I've, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, people posting lately and uh, and as a man as well. And obviously, like you, you pointed out, I'm a, a, a man that has, written, has read your book. You are like, so well, powerful. Yeah, and, and we need to do these things. And, and a lot of people I've seen in the social media and posting are saying that guys need to also step up about this as well because there's a lot of, lot of, um, fe- of the female population are, are uh, posting about this but there's not enough coming from the guys um, but yeah I'm like it's just something that I I found as well that really struck a chord with me my friend Michelle posted it on her story I'm gonna try and find it again hang on uh, it's a very emotive subject and everyone has an opinion with regards to mm. share what Michelle said oh uh, so well, this this was uh, Michelle actually posted the, a story. This has actually been doing the rounds. It's had a lot of attention. It's by a girl called Chloe, and I just wanted to read this out because I just wanted to get your spin on it as well. Uh, I'm currently 25 weeks pregnant with a baby girl. She is incompatible with life. I found out at 23 weeks that she wasn't going to make it. I knew then what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to terminate. My baby is suffering inside me, having seizures multiple times a day. I feel every single one. I knew I didn't want her to suffer any longer. I let my doctor know my choice and he said he would schedule an induction for me. Well, Friday came along and the overturn of Roe versus Wade happened. I thought it would be okay. I thought the law wouldn't go into effect for a while. Sadly, that's not the case. I now have no choice. My doctor called me today and told me I have to remain pregnant until this baby dies inside of me or dies when she's born. What kind of sick country do we live in where we force a mum to feel her baby suffer every single day until her baby dies? It's not fair. I never thought this would happen. Now I'm completely lost and torn and confused inside. I mean, like, it's a, it's completely, this is going to completely ruin the, dy- or change the dynamics of how people deal with grief as well. This is trauma. So the fact that her baby is unable and compatible with life is one huge trauma in itself. But then to carry on a pregnancy with a child that's inside her that is struggling and knowing that she has no choices but to know this baby is struggling inside her is trauma for both the baby and the mother. And then to wait until the child dies or dies when she is born, for me, How this woman recovers from that is beyond me. When she had made the choice to have a termination, she had empowered herself. She had done what felt like the right thing to do as a parent. She had decided not to allow her baby girl be in any more pain. So even though decision was difficult, it was a decision that felt right as a mother. Now she is powerless to any decision. For me, I don't know how you come back from that. My heart breaks mm. at the thought of that and the thought that woman has to go through a waiting game, waiting for either her baby to die or waiting to give birth and her baby die then. Yeah. How uh, can any law support that? Yeah, it's terrible. And guys, if you're listening and 
uh, if you're, if, especially if you're a guy as well, like uh, step up and let's let's all get together and share as much as we can on social media. You've got the power to do that and have and voice your opinions because that that's definitely got to change. Yeah, so so true. Yeah. Well, um, I I don't normally get political on the, on my podcast, um, but I thought I felt like uh, I had a bit of a duty to talk about it at some point. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of friends that are really passionate about this. And you know, like uh, I thought, what better person to to bring us up with, eh? And it's kind of ironic that we're talking about it and I'm talking about baby loss. But for me, termination, medical termination have a place, and women have the choice to be empowered by having choice. So having their choice taken away is a whole other area of trauma. Of course. And grief. Sure. Right, okay. So just before the break, actually, um, I had a, I had something that triggered me. I had a little message, comment, stroke comment, pop up on my social medias as I, as I was interviewing Emma. And she uh, then stepped up and the therapist came out of her and it was brilliant she she uh she ran me through was it eft eft what does that stand for emotional freedom freedom technique Um, and it's the tapping technique that i'm sure a lot of people will have heard about it was wonderful and we stopped recording and then she basically gave me some free psychotherapy (laughs) which is uh uh amazing thank you so much absolute pleasure (laughs) so that brings me on to what i wanted to say next um so obviously like there's probably a, a few people listening to this that are interested in maybe getting some therapy and some psychotherapy or something to help them but I know for me as well like with my podcast I don't mm. know if you listen to if you I know you've listened to a couple but what I say to people on my podcast what do I say to my listeners is that I'm learning myself and I don't know anything and I've never been in therapy before and that was that was that that moment there for me was a first like I've never I didn't know that yeah I've never I've never spoken to anyone and had any counseling and you know I've had people say well why don't you talk why don't you speak to someone and can I ask you why don't you um because I I feel like every time that I get every because I feel like I have a lot of tools anyway that I know what I, I know what makes me feel better and I do and I implement them all like my art or keeping fit nutrition um, and and then eventually I do come out of it and I feel better. Um, so I felt like I've, I've not needed it. Um, and I guess I suppose, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, it's not I for everyone. I yeah. have therapy. I know what's good for me. I do yoga, I read, I write a journal, I meditate, I walk by the sea. But I think for me it's vitally important to have one, at least one safe place and one person where you know there's no judgment, you know whatever you're gonna say is held safely and securely. They're not gonna give their opinion, they're not gonna tell you what they think, they're not gonna feed back how that made them feel unless you ask them to. So for me, I have friends that have facials and invest a lot of time in nice handbags and shoes and day trips. For me, if my heart and my soul and my mind are feeling good, doesn't matter what I look like. So for me, on a personal level, Therapy is one of the most important things I do and I have. And some of the therapists I have had the luxury of working with have been life-changing and allowed me to see a different side of me. But I know coming to therapy is a big step and people have a very strong idea as to what therapists do. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Like For anyone that is listening that is considering taking the step or is not considering like myself, you know, that is against (laughs) the idea of it and thinks it's not for them. Um, just just to educate them a little bit more, what or educate us a little bit more, 
uh, I like to say out the podcast listeners and me as us, <laughs> um, is like, what should someone expect from their first therapy session or a therapy session? I know it's all different, it's different flavours, and but I mean, like, what what can someone expect from it? Like, so for me... How does it look? It looks, so you have between 50 minutes and an hour, depending on the therapist. That 50 minutes or an hour is entirely for you to share whatever you want, whether your friends hurt you, whether you've fallen out with your husband, whether something horrible has happened, or whether you just feel uncomfortable, or whether you've got mental health issues. It's a space where you are seen and heard, and that space is held specifically for you, and the person, the therapist that is holding that space has empathy, intuition, awareness, and can support you in creating a better relationship with yourself. And then when you've got a better relationship with yourself, then you can go back into the world and have a better relationship with everybody else. For me, a therapy session, because I do EFT and hypnosis, a therapy session will be part talking, part my client explaining how they're feeling, what's been going on for them, part EFT to explore the emotions and part hypnosis so that when they leave here they leave feeling calm, empowered, released and revitalised to go back into the world knowing they're not carrying as much weight in their emotional backpack as they were beforehand or knowing they've got a space where they can say I don't feel safe in my head, my anxiety is really high, just a safe place to offload. Amazing. And what what, what, how, what the frequency you would recommend for someone that wants to start doing it? Because obviously, like, not everyone can afford it and it's not available as much on the NHS as, we, as it should be. Um, like, what? how much... How, I mean, how often would you, would you so say... So for me, I say to my clients when they arrive, whatever fits in with their life. So some therapists say you have to go once a week at a certain time at a certain hour. For me... I believe that it has to fit in with your life. A lot of therapists, myself included, do a sliding scale. So we have a top end price and it can go all the way down to five pounds. So there are therapists out there. There is spaces in different places. It's up to Ooh, you. You're it's a, a poet and you didn't even realise. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you. It's a bit like having your hair cut or, or going to the gym. You choose how often you go. And I believe, I know it's a kind of a new way of doing therapy. It has to fit in with your life. So for me... I walk over the downs with clients. I walk on the seafront. I meet kids after school and we walk around the park. I believe that therapy has to fit into your life. Sitting in an office isn't for everyone. Perfect. That's That sounds like my kind of therapy as well. Like, um, yeah, because I, I feel like when I'm going out of a mate for a walk you know uh, like that always clears my head and I've, I've got very empathetic uh, how do I say it? very empathetic, em- yeah, empathetic yeah. mates which um, which uh, I, I know that I can turn to and go for a surf and Good. have a chat with and yeah like out in nature is amazing yeah. it's so important because not everyone yeah. wants to sit in a room and have someone eye contact especially not teenagers so for me with the teenagers if they're okay come in the office great if not I'll go to the house sit in the garden walk on the beach it has to be where the person feels safe enough to want to open up and share what's going on for them amazing well guys if you are considering any uh, therapy uh, or, or 
obviously put uh, all of Emma's details in the show notes. So if she's got any space and a place, uh, she, you can you can get in touch with her. Also, I'll put all of the links to her socials. Any like things you want to give shout out for? Where can people find you? Um, to be fair, I don't have a website. I do my life me one on Facebook and on Instagram. I haven't got a website because everything is word of mouth. But if you do contact me. I will put you in touch with someone who can support you if you want therapy. Amazing, there we go. Uh, well, I guess this kind of wraps it up a bit. What I was wondering, what I thought would be quite nice is I might turn the ASMR up slightly, add a bit of waves. So we're at the beach now with the ukulele and I was wondering if you could possibly do another little sort of light, beautiful end excerpt or something some part of your book from Stillborn that we can lull all of our night owls who are listening listening to the podcast, if they're not already asleep, to sleep. I love that. Thank you so much. This feels so special. Cheers. Thank you, Graham, for inviting me. It's pleasure. been fantastic. I've loved it. There are some lessons, I believe, that we learn from loss and grief, and I wanted to share just two of those. Be your own best friend. Make time to look after you. Remember how important self-care is. The saying, what doesn't break you makes you stronger, is so true. You will learn so much about yourself. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Yeah.